This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, today I have a fantastic interview for you with B. Veronica Moore. So B's story is really interesting. She um, has taken something that she's passionate about and something that she was, you know, enjoyed doing for fun and turned that into a business idea. So B. Veronica Moore runs a company called Witty Ditties and she designs products for parents looking for ways to improve their children's reading skills. Their personalised household items are covered with colourful characters, stories and rhymes and printed on items such as placemats that children use in the home every day. So her aim is to encourage reading, early years development and for some kids self-esteem. So building self-esteem is especially important for BAME children who rarely see themselves reflected in children's goods and products found in shops and online. So her mission is to design fun, ethnically diverse products for every child to enjoy. This is a fantastic interview and um, can't wait to share it with you. Okay, so hi B. thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so do you want to just start by telling us about yourself, your business and what it is that you sell? So my name is B. B. Veronica Moore is, how, uh, is, the, is the moniker I usually use. I'm, I'm a graphic designer, creative writer and uh, I also illustrate um, and I'm from London. Um, I'm married with two kids, a stepson and a little boy. And um, I basically have a passion for writing poetry and rhyme. Um, I've done it all my life. Um, and um, that's basically me, graphic designer, digital designer and creative writer. That's what I do. Fantastic. So you run Witty Ditty Designs. Do you want to yes. um, talk a little bit more about that business and sort of the products that you sell there? Yes. Yeah, so um, about few years ago now five maybe five years ago I um well there are a couple of reasons I, I set up witties one was a personal reason to do with home something to do with home and the other reason was um I um, as a designer I've always um I've always just done stuff at home, like illustrate, illustrations and, as I say, writing poetry at home. And I used to sort of just write stuff that was to do with f funny little whimsical things that would happen to my, my family life. So I would, something would happen and I would 
find it funny and write a little rhyme about it and then shove it in a virtual online drawer and not really do anything with it. Um, and the first reason that I suddenly started to think, hang on, maybe I could, there was a business here, was when I um, was working as a full-time designer and I was working for um, a publishers and they had this um, scheme where you could go and work in schools to help mentor children. And I love kids. And I thought, wow, what a great thing to do. And you could volunteer a couple of days or one day a week. And I did that for three years where you basically, kids that were having struggling learning to read, they, um, they, you would mentor them um, each week in the term times and help them improve their reading. And they had all sorts of reasons for why their reading had, was stunted from different things happening at home or second language issues or whatever. But I loved it. And even after I left the, the, um, the company that I was designing at as a graphic designer, I carried on mentoring at the school because I enjoyed it so much. And while I was there, some of these things that I'd written, what I discovered with them was that if you're teaching a child who has difficulty reading to read, you can't just slap a book in their hand because it's quite you know, they find it quite difficult. So we were encouraged to give them, they could read a mag, um, comic, they could, you know, you get them to read unusual things so that they, it didn't feel like they were reading, they were playing and having fun. So I would bring some of my poems in and, uh, and it was a real eye opener because they, they loved them, which was really good. It was good to see that they liked what I was write, writing. And, and that's kind of where my first idea for Witties came, came from. One of the, one of the, the openings for Witty was, thinking, you know, stories don't have to be written on paper. They can be anywhere and everywhere. And kids can access stories and illustrations in unusual ways, especially kids who might have an issue with not necessarily wanting to look at a book for whatever reason. And even for kids who love reading, it's still nice to think, you know, that they can do, do something they love in a slightly un unusual way. So. I started to think about putting my, my rhymes and my poems on unusual objects. Um, and then, secondary to that, um, uh, my little stepson, who was around six or seven at the time, I, when I used to take, go out shopping for him to buy him duvet covers or, or just anything practical he needed for school or whatever, or not school necessarily, because his mum would do that, but you know, stuff that I thought he might need while he was with us. Um, I suddenly realised that there was nothing out in the shops that represented him. You know, we're a black family and if I wanted to go, he loved superheroes at the time. And if I wanted, I went out and I bought him, you know, Spider-Man and all the usual heroes, but suddenly realised, I mean, obviously now we have Black Panther, but back then there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And um, that combined with, the, with what I told you about the mentoring in schools triggered the idea of starting Witties. So I started to write and illustrate little rhymes and poems about action heroes. I, I illustrated them and then put them onto duvet covers. And, and later on that they went from duvet covers to placemats. And now I do mostly the placemats. But that's where the idea for Wikidities came from. It was about fulfilling two obligations, two things, um, helping kids read, um, and helping black and ethnic minority kids see themselves reflected more when they went out into, into the shops. I wanted to see more products. And I thought, if I don't see it, 
I'm, I'm going to have to make it. Yeah, that all makes sense. Thank you so much for sharing that. So you, um, I had a quick look at your website and you sell a, a, quite a range of products now, don't you, as well as the superhero yeah. products. Yeah. So yeah. I will put a link to your store in the show notes. So everyone listening can um, go and have a look for themselves. So, um, but do you want to just tell everyone about your products? So what, you yeah. said you started so, with duvet covers. What I else do, do, you do? Yeah. Um, So uh, duvet covers um, um, and they were sort of, I, I was trying to do it so that they um, obviously were representative of, um, Bane kids um, and then I moved on to um, placemats and the placemats have kind of overtaken the duvet covers. Duvet covers is hard because of trying to manufacture you know when I did my research and everything it is quite hard to um, keep costs down doing duvet covers whereas placemats it was the same thing you know representing kids of all, all from all sectors um, by using rhymes and poems and illustrations um, on duvet, on um, sorry, on um, on placemats. So I do. So I don't do the duvet covers as much now, but I do duvet covers. I mean, sorry, placemats, um, mugs, um, cushion and cushions are the, the the three things that people seem to like the most, and they're all pers- Usually, they're personalised as well, which people like a lot. So those are the three things that. I mostly concentrate on now the duvet, the, the mugs, and the placemats and the cushions. That's fantastic, and it's really nice, as you said, that it just gives children the opportunities to see themselves in the products that they have in their home. Yeah, the cushions. Really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I and um, as I say, things have moved on now from when I first, you know, the reasons I first started with these. I now have my other my other son, who's now six. He's the age that my other son was when I had the the eureka moment but you know yes there things have moved on slightly as far as products in shops go but not really very much after six or so years it's not really changed that much and it took something as we all know something dreadful to happen for the even the thought that things may yet change and that um, black, black and ethnic minority children will be represented in the future, I'm hoping that now that this, these kind of conversations have started, that my products and other big, you know, to be honest, other big firms who, who, who make, you know, um, accessories for school and, you know, that they will re- realise that, they, and cards and everything, they'll realise that there's a whole market of, of kids out there and people, not just kids, that they're not marketing to. Um, and I hope they will they will start to start to on my website. I basically, as I said, I had all this stuff just on my website, but I've I've gathered it all together recently and made it into a collection. And I call the collection Colourful Kids, and it's called the Colourful Kids Collection. And basically, you could go straight to that collection, and in there you will find all sorts of homewares and kitchenwares for children of colour. And I want to eventually obviously add more than, I mean, there were, obviously it's for all kids, but children of colour are also in there because that's what was missing. There was all, there's always stuff for Caucasian kids, but there was never anything for black kids. So, and I also realised that I need to be inclusive myself and include children with disabilities. And so that's what I would like to do in, in the future is to add, add another, um, angle to it as well not angle that's not the right word but you know what I mean and I know what you mean yeah <laughs> um, and include disabilities as well 
but yeah so my my colorful kids collection is now on my on my website for people to have a look through and see if there's anything on there and everything is personalized so if you if there's something on there that people think oh i love that but my kid would not like that color because it's personalized and customized i can change things okay so do you make everything to order then on your website i i do what i do is yes so i um there are generic um designs so you might have a little superhero kid that is just a super a generic superhero kid and it says everything everything a little boy needs to be a superhero that's how they're all that's the title of a lot of them everything a princess would need to be everything a I don't know, a little boy would need, sorry, everything a little girl would need to be a princess or everything a little boy would need to be a dragon or everything a little boy would need to be a dinosaur. So there are those that are really generic, but I also do ones where it's the name replaces little boy and little girl. So everything Thomas needs to be a, and they're quite popular. I've, I've done quite a few of those for different people. Okay, so how does that work from, I'm just, if you don't mind talking a bit about sort of the logistic-y side of what you do. So how does that work from, um, so do, do you tend to have hold stock or is everything manufactured to order? Yeah, I, I've done a lot of hard work with um, trying to find um, manufacturers who aren't solely based on, on bulk. So, because my, my stuff just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, it's, which is one of the reasons why I had to sort of stop doing the duvet covers a little bit and move to, to the to the mats because I managed to find a manufacturer, family-run manufacturers who um, are, were happy for me to do one or two mats designed bespoke for people, and then they would they would um, do them for me, and that's what I do now. So I I um, someone will give me an order, and I will design it for them and send it to this to this particular manufacturer who yeah I'm quite lucky that they they've up until now that is until the thing that's happened now which might may affect me I'm not sure but up until now they've been happy to do um to print uh individual placemats for me um personalized placemats for me and 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 the product they supply is, is superb so I've been very lucky up until now. And that's what I will supply to people. Oh, well, you say you've been lucky, but I think it also must be a lot of hard work involved in that oh, to find this absolutely. supplier. How did you even go about finding them? Because it sounds like you've got a gem there. You've done really well. Yeah, I, I back in the day, lots of searching, lots and lots of searching, looking, looking, contacting people, asking questions, getting told, no, we don't do that. Or yes, we do that, but we only do it for 500,000 <laughs> um, items or whatever um, until eventually um, funny enough I, I was talking to a manufacturer who, who, who couldn't help me but they were lovely they were like but we do know someone who might be able to because I think they'd work slightly different from us why don't you contact these people so I contacted them and they were like well really even though we don't do bulk we would prefer it if you did at least a few but we really like what you're doing Go on, go on then. So I would, you know, and usually what would happen, it would be around Christmas time. So there would at least be five or six people wanting something at Christmas, you know, because it's Christmas. And so I, so they were fine with that. If I had, if they had at least five mats that I was ordering, then that that would work out quite well. So that's how I found them really by lots and lots of hard work, looking online, talking to people, word of mouth, and then being 
finding somebody nice who then put me onto them and then sort of just, you know, instead of going, oh, this woman's a waste of time because she only wants to do two or three, they kind of, um, they've, you know, they've, they've been happy to do the two or three for me. So I've, that's how I found them through, through a lot of hard work, really. And persistence by the sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. And the same with the duvet covers. When I first started doing the duvet covers, um, I just put, I literally just, again, put the word out. My, and funnily enough, it was my husband's friend who knew somebody who knew somebody who took, put me in touch with a manufacturer. And the guy was just brilliant. He listened to what I was doing and he basically did a sample for me, did samples for me. And the samples were just brilliant. And, um, and then I did a small run just to, so I could do, um, I wanted to do, um, I've forgotten the name. What is it when you, you um, go out and you get people in a room and you say, this is my product, what do you think? I've forgotten what the- um, oh, like a focus group, research group, it. yeah. That's it, focus group. So I did a focus group in the early days and I knew that I had to have something to show them. So I, this guy did a really short, literally short run of about five or five, five duvet different designs for me that I could use to take around and show people and do focus groups. And he was really great as well. And I, I, I was very lucky, I think, with the two manufacturers I found. Um, but even though the duvet guy, the duvet manufacturers were really brilliant, with all the help they gave me, it still wasn't working out because, you know, they're over here. I would have had to have gone to China or somewhere, somewhere like that to have manufactured them for cheaper enough to be able to sell them for a, you know, a, a cheaper price for everybody to be able to afford them. And I just thought, you know what, I don't want to buy from, from I wanted them to be made in, made in Britain um, and really good quality. Um, so yeah, um, I, was, I was very lucky. But actually on that note, um, while it's in my head, it's really important to find when you start off a business, one of the things I've learned is choosing the wrong people oh, can be so detrimental and choosing the right people can help you fly. And as I say, I chose the right people with the people who are helping me with my placemats. But I, and I chose the right person for the, uh, the first lot of people who did my duvet covers. But I joined a networking group initially because it was just me and I know, knew I needed help and more info from a group of like-minded people and I, I, I was told about a networking group that I joined and it turned out to be one of it was just terrible the guy you don't know until you're there and you're in it that the guy the guy really didn't know he didn't know what he was doing and I basically wasted six months with him before I realized unfortunately and not just me a lot of the people that were in the group suddenly realized that they weren't getting anything from this and that actually he was giving you bad advice giving us bad advice and I would I've I, I would say to anybody that what I didn't do was I didn't google him I didn't go online I didn't find out and if you see if you join something or you see a manufacturer or whatever and there was absolutely nothing about them on on social media or online that's a flag because somebody good who's out there doing good work, they'll be all over, you know, the internet and on social media. People will, you'll know. And because I was so raw to it and new to it, I didn't double check 
this this networking group. Um, so I would that's something that I've always and I tell people who are whoever is starting out you've got to be really wise to who you um, any groups that you join out there and any and, and and check check who they are make sure they've got a good rep yeah I think yeah you're right whose who's advice you take is so important yeah. and I really liked what you said about how your manufacturer now is kind of likes what you're doing and believes in your product and it sounds like that's you know that's really important that they it sounds like they actually care about what you're trying to do yeah because yeah, I'm sure it can't you know normally I think their minimum order they're a small family business and I think their minimum order is usually you know 20 and I come along and say can I have five <laughs> and they're like go on then you know they're, they're lovely if it wasn't for them doing that you know so yeah it's really important to find people who believe in your business or or, or who are willing to bend a little bit for you and it's not easy because everyone's you know they're a business they're a small family run business um can i say their name or is that not you can say their name yeah, yeah they're, called, they're called smith taylors and they produce coasters and placemats and all sorts and they're they're wonderful they're a lovely little family and luckily the pan- i think the pandemic hasn't caused i mean they had to shut down for a while but i think they're reopening now um and they're a great little family run firm yeah oh they sound fantastic and yeah they definitely deserve a mention so yeah, yeah i hope that anyone listening to this is looking for someone will look them up yeah. they sound great and i think it's also helped that you've got such a clear vision and you know you know what you're trying to do with your products as well i think that really helps as well because people can get on board with not just your products but what it is you're trying to achieve with your products yeah that's really important Something I'd like to go back to, if you don't mind, because we've completely skimmed over this, is you talked about your focus groups. And I don't know anyone yet who's done a focus group. So I think that's really interesting. So do you mind just talking a bit more about, about what you did and what you learned? I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I, um, I, so I, <laughs> I basically um, went to my, spoke to my neighbours about it, really, and just, you know, and friends and family. And my neighbours, bless them, she um, got about, I don't know, six or seven of her friends who work in all sorts of different fields, from teachers, nurses, all mums. And my neighbours who lived across the way, they did the same. And um, we all gathered in my neighbour's house and I laid on food and stuff and basically just presented the work to them. And then at the end, after I'd told them my idea, um, I then gave out questionnaires and I said, you, you know, they're anonymous, so you don't have to worry about what you say. Just be truth, be honest. Tell me if you think this is a rubbish idea, a good idea. Is it something that you would like? And it's interesting because one of the focus, focus groups I did was mostly white mums and a couple of dads. And another focus group I did was mostly black mums. And um, so it was good to get the, you know, because of the two ways that I'd entered uh, decided to start my business. I wanted to get um, an idea, and and both groups um, were really um, complimentary and liked what I was trying to do. Um, very, so you know, it, it was encouraging, and I and so I decided to to keep to keep going based on the feedback I got from those focus groups. But they were focus groups. I have no idea if, the, you know, I'm sure that's not the conventional way to do a photo focus group, but that's how I did it. 
to at least see whether or not I was going down the right lines. Well, do you know, some, it's amazing how few people get any kind of validation for their products at all, you know, because there is sometimes there can be a bit of a fear about talking about what you're going to do in case yeah. someone says it's rubbish and yeah. wanting to hold your cards close to your chest. I think any kind of validation, obviously, the more you can do, the better, but any is good. And actually, you spoke to mums and dads, you know, these are people who are going to be your customers. So I think it sounds like you did a great job there. Yeah. So that was... Right. So at that point, you just had a few samples. Is that right? Yeah, to show yeah. people. Yeah. So, so what happened next? Did you get a website up and running? Did you? Yeah. So I, I, um, once I knew that they, they, they quite liked the idea, I had to think of a name, which I, which I did. And the name came from the fact that when I used to write poetry and rhyme, just in general, it was usually based on silly little, um, uh, things that had happened to me and my family um, that were quite funny. So, for example, um, I, I, I've got a range of cushions that have animals on them. And that idea came from the fact that, um, um, for example, one day, one, 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 one day I, I, I was out with some friends in the park, my, my little son and, um, and her son. And um, she had a, an old sandwich in her handbag, which she'd left on his buggy. And suddenly this, this intrepid squirrel must have smelt the sandwich and came out of the trees. And the squirrels in our park are very friendly because they get fed a lot. So they kind of lost their fear of humans a little bit as well. And he just basically, we didn't realise that what he was after. So we took the buggy and ran. And the squirrel, I kid you not, ran after us. And when we stopped and she let go of the buggy, he was on that buggy and in her bag. And she, I said, what's going on? She said, I've got an old sandwich in there. <laughs> so that's what he was after. And it's that sort of thing that, that it, I had to go home and write something about that, that, that what happened. Um, and um, another story is that there's a fox. He's a grown fox now and he lives somewhere in our neighbourhood. He used to live in our neighbour's garden, but I'm not sure where he lives now. But he, every now and then you see him. But he's been there for a good few years and he used to be there when he was tiny, when he was just a little, little young fox. Um, and I've kind of watched him grow up. Um, and it, at first it was a bit scary to have a fox so in such close proximity, but he, he's never harmed anyone. He comes, sometimes if you're in the kitchen really early in the morning, you'll see him jump over the fence. Um, and he's more scared of us than we are of him. But that, you know, those kind of things, um, kind of, um, it's why my, my cushion collection that I've got, which has got farm animals and wild animals on them, um, that's where that idea came from, for all, for all my stuff. Because um, I, I just, when things like that happen, I have to write them down. I find it quite funny. So that's where the name come, came from as well, because I try to make what I write down reasonably witty or funny. So that's where the idea for witty ditties came from. And actually... Um, a really good friend of mine who's a copywriter, she just came round to my home one afternoon and we sat together um, brainstorming for an idea for the name. And actually, I've got to give her credit where credit's due. She's the one that came up with Witty Ditty because she was just saying to me, well, what you write is quite funny. They are quite witty little ditties. And that, <laughs> that was where the name came from. Um, and then I'm very lucky because I'm a designer. 
I can, I designed the logo myself. I didn't have to worry about going to somebody else. I knew what I wanted and, that, and so I designed the logo myself. So yeah, I came up with a name and then, uh, and then I um, made sure that I was on all the platforms and social media and so on and so forth. Made the mistake actually of, I now know about bots, but in those days I didn't. And I made the mistake of actually kind of looking on somewhere with the name Witty Ditty. And then when I went back to try and get it, it had gone. So I think that was with, with um, Twitter. So with Twitter, my Twitter handle is slightly different because it had gone. But I, you know, you learn, you know, this is another, it's another thing, learning curve. Um, and then after that, I, um, I um, copyrighted the name through a, through a, through a, a proper, you know, I did it properly um, and made sure that my name was is 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 copyrighted um, and what I and the products that I'm I, I produce are copyrighted as well. So all, all your designs are sort of yeah. So not so much the designs because I learned that you don't basically the, the, by deem of the fact that I've drawn them and that I've I've made them, they are my copyright. Oh, but I didn't my, know that. Yeah, apparently. I might get this wrong. Somebody will let you know, I'm sure, if I am wrong. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that if it, the drawings that I do, are, are they belong to me. But the name, my name, and uh, you definitely have to copyright it because, you know, somebody can still use the name Witty Ditty as long as it's for something totally other than what I'm doing, apparently. So I just copyrighted my name and, um, and put down what I was going to be putting all my products on and so forth. That was something that I, 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 I did straight away as well. And um, then the five, third and final thing was um, I went on to Shopify. I could have built a website, but I wanted initially to just not have to worry about spam and dodgy, you know, dodgy, dodgy customer, because it's all built in that, you know, want, they've, uh, I think with Shopify, you know, it's, it's basically you build a shop, you pick a theme and then off you go. So I, I, I'm on Shopify is my, but I do want to change that soon. I want to just have my own website because at the moment, both the um, workshops that I'll probably talk to you about in a bit and my products are both on the same site. And I think I need to separate them a bit better. So I might do that. I might do that by having a different website, Yeah. but yeah. That's that's what I did. That sounds great, and I'm, I agree with you on Shopify. I'm on it as well, and like because I kind of like the fact that all of that e-commerce functionality is built in there. Yeah. Like they take people's payment. Like you don't see someone's payment details. You don't need no. to have that. It just yeah. feels like there's a bit of security there for the customer yeah. and for yeah. you as well. And it's one less thing for you to do as well, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's just nice knowing that you you know you you get it all set up and it's going to work. Whereas yeah. if you build something yourself, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably a bit more involved. Okay, yeah. so once you had all of that set up, how did you go about getting your initial customers? What did you do to, I don't know if launch is, is the right word. So actually, did any of your focus group, group customers buy? Quite like to do that as well. Um, no, but that was only mainly because I probably didn't do what I should have done. You know, I now know, like I said, I, I joined, you know, I joined the, the, the group I said that wasn't a yeah. group. I think if I had been with a good mentoring group, a good networking group, that would have happened because that probably they would have said, Oh, you've done a focus group. Great. Did you capture their, their email addresses? Yes. Right. Do this. Uh, but because I was with someone who was just, it was just wrong. 
a lot of that stuff that I should have grabbed onto in the early days didn't happen. And so, so it took me longer to get going. So I basically, what I ended up doing was, um, I, some of, I, I decided to do a Christmas, um, a Christmas, was, or it wasn't a, was it Christmas? But I, start, I decided to do a fair, you know, a, um, uh, and, and, and have a stall and try and get people, and there's just, just tell people about me and get them to know that I existed. And I, it was one of these stalls that um, I got a really, I got a reduced rate because I literally went, literally like a couple of days before it was due to start and they needed to get rid of the, the areas. Um, myself and another lady that I'm still friends with, we both did that to get, get the cost right down. And then I basically just introduced myself to as many um, people who I thought might be interested in my stuff. Um, and it's one of the reasons, that's how I think one of the um, platforms I, I'm on at the moment called All By Mummies, that's how they found me. Um, so I did that and just basically got my name out there with as many commercial um, clients as I could. And then for local mums and dads and stuff, I basically would have a store, especially at Christmas, at the market that always um, is, runs every, well, every other Sunday and every Christmas, there would be a big market uh, in, in, in Tottenham where I live. And I would always make sure that I had a store there. And over the years, I think through word of mouth and, and just always being there, I've, you know, I've, I, that a few people do seem to know who I am. Um, funnily enough, I've found that uh, this whole pandemic has seems to have given me more orders. I'm sure a lot of people must have found that. I think because people have got more time, they must be looking online and finding me because <laughs> I've had quite a few orders um, that way. But um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes initially when I started my business. Um, so I, I, should have, I should be able to say to you, yes, a lot of the, my focus group bought from me, but because, um, because of some of the mistakes and joining the wrong type of networking groups, that didn't happen. Do you know what everyone does though at the beginning? And that's why you taking the time to sort of share some of what you've done with us today is so valuable because by hearing the mistakes other people have made, you kind of help in the next person you know, yeah. not do the same. So yeah, this is why this is really important. And um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I, I won't, but I could list out, you know, tens of mistakes I made in the early days. But I guess the main thing is we learn from them. And yeah, we yeah. help others That's right. not, not do the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so the, the next one I was actually going to ask you about is, um, is sort of the challenges, any sort of challenges you've had to overcome. And but I think you've shared quite a few, but is there anything else you wanted to well yeah um i've got i've just written down here because i had to make made a few notes and it was like um <laughs> i put not getting ripped off by unscrupulous people <laughs> and <I've> got, <laughs> trying to keep going while raising children especially when you have to stop for a year or year and a year because i had to i just had to it was just too hard to try and i found it hard anyway to to try and do what i was doing with amazing amazing a, a, a little and and I stopped, I stopped for a while. Um, um, and the other th challenge I had was not losing confidence in your idea and in whatever talent you think you have and your abilities. Um, I found those three things were quite, quite challenging. And actually, I, I, 
thanks to really good friends and family who were like, um, you know, when I said, oh, do you know what? Maybe I should just, yeah, I had a go. Um, this has come along now. Maybe, I, and they were like, you can't do it. You can't stop now. You haven't done this and you haven't done that. And you haven't tried this. When you've tried that and when you've tried that, yeah, then maybe you stop, but you haven't tried yet. And I had a few people say to me, no, you've got to keep going because what you're doing is really great. So I, you know, that thing of keeping going, I think is really important. I mean, I'm always fascinated by listening about um, well-known, famous people who, um, you know, you know, like your typical, like your JK Rowling's of this world who were turned down at umpteen times and yet they never gave up and now look at them. Um, I find that, you know, that, that is what we need. You can't, you can't let, you can't let either, you, you just got to keep going. If, if, if you really believe in something, you got to keep going. So my challenges were trying to keep going while raising children, which I know lots and lots of um, women out there are trying to do right now, just right at this minute. Um, making sure that you work with the right people who have your interests at heart and not losing confidence and just keeping going, even when the going gets a bit tough. Um, try and keep going because you never know. It, you might get there in the end. I think you're right. I think all of those things are key. I mean, perseverance, yeah, you just need... But I think there's a bit of a correlation possibly between what you said about sort of trying to do it while raising the family and the confidence because yeah. I feel like... I, I could be wrong, but I imagine that once you'd stopped, you know, you'd made the decision to stop for a while. So was that when mm. your son was born or when he was... You might old? Yeah, it was when my son... Yeah, it was when he came along. Um, I'm um, imagining that... Sorry, that must have been really hard then to then when you sort of resumed. Um, I guess that must have been quite difficult to sort of start it, up again. It was. And what I did was, instead of just resuming the business... Um, what I did was I, as I said at the beginning, I'm a graphic designer um, and I've got quite a lot of skills um, and I do digital design. So a lot of my illustrations that I do, I, I draw, but I also draw directly on computer. I do a lot of digital illustration. And um, uh, as a graphic designer and art director back in the day when I was working full time, um, especially as an art director, I would illustrate a lot at doing mood boards and stuff for clients. And it never occurred to me to come home and, and illustrate and sketch for myself. I was doing it as a job, so I didn't. But when I stopped doing that and I started to raise my son, I found myself in my, what little downtime I had, I would be doodling on my computer and drawing little characters, animals and little, little kids and people. And I started to really enjoy it and find it quite therapeutic and, and, and um, calming. And I, I started to really enjoy it. And um, so rather than um, jump back into Witty Ditty's product, the products, surface products, I started to think, well, I've got this ability to draw and do graphic design and use all these different programs that I've spent years learning seems the same to let all that, that skill just dwindle. And I um, accidentally discovered this whole area of workshops for children through um, basically meeting a really nice lady who um, ran a series of workshops in South London when I was um, 
doing something to do with the kids one day and she was just telling me what she did she did and that she ran these workshops and I said oh that sounds really interesting and they were stem workshops where you know science technology engineering and art and maths and she had seen some of the stuff I'd done she looked at me up online and she really liked what I was doing and she just said why don't you come along um, and see what we're up to. So I, I kind of um, went there and volunteered for a couple of months just to, I would turn up on, she, they had this STEM, STEM club every Friday. And when she saw that I, you know, I wasn't just saying, you know, she could see what I could do. She asked me if I would join and, um, and um, I did. And then some of the people who worked there were like, well, this needs to happen across London. It's happening in South London. It happens a little bit in East London. Do you know if this is happening in your neck of the woods? And I suddenly thought, oh, you know what? I don't think it is. Not, well, if it is, it's really quiet. And that prompted me to start the workshops and to do the workshops, the STEM skills and art and graph digital graphic workshops in North London. I started about just over a year ago now running workshops here. And I managed to, through again, a lot of hard work, a lot of networking and a lot of kind of just gently pestering people to end up um, in my local library, the Marcus Garvey Library in Tottenham. And I started running um, a, a STEM skills tech hub for um, seven to 12 year olds. Um, and, I, and, I, and I basically um, just put flyers out one summer, and I'd started it as a summer, as a summer clubs, put flyers out and had so much interest um, and ran a little summer camp from July to August. And then the kids that came to the summer camp, all their parents were like, are you going to do this as an after school club? And I was like, oh, well, I hadn't really. Okay. So I then started doing it as an after school club. And that's how I kind of got back into doing design and stuff and then from that um, I joined a mentoring group a couple of mentoring groups to see whether or not it was worth what because I was thinking I should do one or the other either the workshops or the products and going on some really good um, mentoring and networking um, courses they said well why do you have to choose they've both got merits and as long as it's not too much work see if you can run them alongside each other so that's what I'm trying to do at the moment yeah and it sounds like you really enjoy both as well I do I love I just I love kids and I love teaching them I've um the the the, the, the clubs that I started in the library have now moved online and we we we've been doing them via zoom and it's a lot of hard work and again a lot of learning curve with zoom <laughs> learning how to use all the tech you know the the, yeah, um, yeah, um, but um, I'm getting there. I mean, I'm getting there, and um, and again, some of the parents who have been doing the online classes and who came to the to the tech hubs have asked me if I would, if I'm going to carry on doing this, at, you know, whether it's on Zoom or pick up again in September. So I have to. I'm I'm trying to think about how I could run the tech hubs in a socially distant compliant way or stay on online and run them so that's that's something that I'm trying to do as well so I've got quite a lot going on actually I sometimes I but you know as well as still having my little six-year-old to look after but you know 
I, I think if it's because I enjoy it. I think if, because I enjoy it, although it's hard work, it doesn't feel like a chore. There's a difference between hard work and, and something being, you know, hard work, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a difference in, there's a difference. So you mentioned your son. So how, um, how does this business fit around your family? I mean, does it work around your family life? It you? does. I mean, it was much easier before we all, the, the horrible pandemic came because I would fit it around school, school times. Um, and I would, you know, I would, I knew that he'd be at school in the morning. Certain days he'd be home at 3.30. Other days he'd have after, after school clubs. And I knew that on those days I could channel my energies into either the workshops or the, or doing a couple of illustrations for my placemats or whatever it is I was doing. Um, it's been a lot harder since the pandemic hit us because obviously he's home all the time. And I'm now, you know, along with my husband, he's, he's being homeschooled. Um, and it's much, much, much harder, much harder. Um, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm luckily, I'm not on my own, you know, I'm not, you know, so I've, I've got help. And every now and then when I need time, like a day where I'm just concentrating on either a workshop production or a, or a new illustration for a product or somebody's ordered something, I can just, you know, my husband will take over for that day because he's working as well. He's got full-time job. He's not stopped working even because his job is one of those jobs that um, he can still work and he can work from home. But every now and then he'll, he'll take a bit of time out and help me out. So that I've been, I've been lucky in that, that way, but it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard work. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same situation. It's, yeah, it's tough. And how, um, so with the pandemic, has, has the production of your products been affected at all? So are your manufacturers still making things or? Well, but I, I've, I, because of it all, I've concentrated solely on the placemats. I, I, I'm not, as, I mean, I stopped doing the duvet covers for a little while anyway. Um, but I was doing mugs and coasters and all sorts. And I've, I'm not doing that. I'm literally just doing um, the placemats. And I've got a decent amount of stock still of my cushions. So that when I've had a couple of orders for my cushions and I've come and had a look and the, what's been ordered I've got, you know, so I'm lucky. So my cushions, I've got a little bit of stock so that if I, um, and anything that I haven't got in stock, I've put on my website, sorry, out of stock. Um, and the, um, and the, the, the personalized stuff that I do are my placemats. And also I forgot to mention my name plat, my name plates. So for kids, you know, like you, I, all the animals that are on my, um, coasters, I now take those little animals and I put them on, you know, so for example, there's a little, there's one I've done recently for a little boy called my little niece, new brand new nephew called Zachary. And it's basically African animals, um, spelling out, and they're all sort of standing up by his name. You know the the thing, the A to Z sort yes. of name packs. Yeah, those. That's what I've been doing as well. So that those and the um, and the placemats are what I'm concentrating on on during this time, because you know I think there's so much going on and and you know there's too much happening to try and do it all so that and the place so that and the workshops are what I'm concentrating on on at the moment those are the two things I can do and as I said I'm doing the placemats because the lovely um, manufacturers that I use 
um, are being so great and saying, okay, then we'll, even though we don't really normally do that amount, that's fine, we'll do it. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm concentrating on. I think that's good advice as well to not try and do it all and just do, you know, what you're comfortable with. Yeah. I think that really makes sense as well. One of the other things I forgot to say, actually, that I want to concentrate on a little bit at the moment as well is because of the whole Black Lives Matter movement and what's happened, um, the whole thing that happened uh, uh, with Floyd George. Um, uh, I want to try and raise awareness more about the fact, you know, I, I started off, as I say, not being able to find stuff for my, my little stepson and now my son. And it, it, it made me think, oh my God, that's not right. And I, I did something about it. And then I, and it, I kind of think that got sidelined along the way, you know, and I now realise that I, I, I should have been more, I should have been braver, I think, when I was doing that five years ago. And, and just got in touch, just now I'm, I'm out there, I'm trying to find black owned businesses, other black owned businesses. I'm trying to, you know, like I say, put my collection that I've now gathered together in as many places as, as other black families will be able to find them as possible. I mean, I, I started doing it five years ago, but I didn't really do it. And now I'm trying to do that. And that's another thing that I'm quite passionate about, making sure that, um, you know, as many black and a a Asian uh, Bain families as possible know that there are places, there are places where you can buy products that reflect your children, you know, it's important. Yeah, that is important. And I think that's fantastic that you're doing that. Okay, so just a few final things before we um, finish up, if that's okay. So yeah. one thing I would love to know is what is your number one piece of advice for any other aspiring product creators out there? Um, I think um, I've kind of said it already, which is um, making sure that you find the right kind of help when you first start out. So if you're starting out and you, you definitely don't try and do it all by yourself. You might start off a bit by yourself, you know, at your kitchen table doing what you do, maybe with just family and friends. But when it gets to the point where you need to branch out a bit, don't, don't do it, try and do it all by yourself. Try and find, as I was saying, try and find um, a group or, or um, mentor, mentorship, mentoring groups um, out there that you can join and there are some really good free ones you don't have to pay either you know don't get conned into paying hundreds of pounds to, to some consultant who says oh i can help you with this that and the other there are some really good um um networking organizations out there who are funded to help people like us who are you know starting out and need help the other good place is um the british library they, um, again, not so much now because of the pandemic, it's closed, blah, blah, blah. But back in the day, the British Library was really, really good, a good source of um, help. They offer, you know, free advice on all sorts. I mean, it's them who I went to when I wanted to get my copyright done on my logo and on my work. And they were the ones that gave me loads of advice. You know, they, you, you have to book and, and you, 
obviously there's a waiting list because it's free, but you, you could go and see somebody who would take you through all of your rights and your copyright and what you should and shouldn't do. So yeah, that is something that you definitely have to do is, um, is um, don't, 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 don't try and do it all by yourself and get good advice from good sources. I think you're right. Having a network is just so important. Just having people around you, you can bounce ideas off that you can ask yeah. questions and yeah. yeah, it's invaluable. I think that's great advice. And I didn't know that about the British Library as well. So I'm fascinated to yeah, hear that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're brilliant. They, 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 and they have talks. Some of the talks are free, some of them aren't. But even the ones that aren't, you know, it's like not very much to, to pay to go and see some amazing speakers. Other, you know, entrepreneurs, who have done who you would know the names of and they talk to you and say this is how I started this is what I did um, and as I say they do they did and I'm sure once everything's back to normal they will do carry on doing so they do offer free advice um, as well so interesting thank you so much for sharing that yeah. so is there anything else that you wanted to share with us before we finish up um, uh, just that um, if if you're um, if 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 you're <laughs> a young family and you're um, and you're you've got kids who are interested in art design digital design um, any sort of STEM skills um, and you're looking for somewhere for them to to grow and to learn. Um, look us up, look Witty Ditty Designs and Witty Ditty Kids, Kids Clubs up because um, we're trying to offer a way to encourage learning, whether it's through the, my products or through doing um, workshops that develop kids' skills in unique ways. Because, you know, one of the, i tell you what's really interesting. Um, when I started off doing these clubs, the people that I worked with, we were knocking on doors constantly saying, Have you, do you know that kids can learn about 3D printing? Do you know that they can learn about laser cutting? Do you know they can learn about all these amazing techie type skills and qualities and digital design and 3D illustration and all of this? And they were interested, but they were a little bit like, oh, okay. But they were still stuck in their sort of traditional mode of teaching children stuff. And since COVID-19 has come along, they, we don't have to knock doors down anymore because everybody knows what a 3D printer is now because they knew because of all the, 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 the PPE that was needed and they could see that there were people in it who, who had 3D printers who were making the, the PPE for, for the wonderful NHS staff in their bedrooms and God knows where else. So now the doors are a little bit more easier to open because people are realizing that this is a brand new world out there. You know, kids, kids, kids are going to have to learn and their parents are going to have to learn a whole new way, you know, um, of, 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 uh, about new technologies, new way of, new ways of working. Traditional ways of working is still good, but we need to teach the children about, um, about tech, technology, digital design, digital art. Uh, and, and because that's the future really. And the kid, kid, the kids need to learn it and their parents need to, Get them, get them in there, get them learning. 
And I guess it's about new ways of learning as well, because I mean, yeah. you know, suddenly being able to teach and learn online is, I believe, a relatively new thing. I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't remember seeing any options for after school clubs online prior to COVID nineteen. Anyway, no, so absolutely, and that's fantastic. And I think it must be fantastic for you as well because you can reach so many more children. Yeah, yeah, just, totally. Yeah, instead of it just being kids who live locally, you can have kids from all over London who can join join the club. And what I'd like to do, I think, in the end is have a still eventually when things go back to rough, relatively normal, have a physical place where kids can come and have fun and interact and socialize and learn, but also do an online, still have an online presence and an online club where every, maybe once a week or once every second week, they all, everyone gets together online, shares what they've been doing, what, what projects they've been, do, they've been doing. And, you know, so it's, it's been an awful time, but it's also had in a weird way, some positive outcomes. For, you know, but although still an awful time, and I know there are people out there who have lost loved ones and stuff, so it's, it's been an awful time, but kind of strangely opened up people's thinking a yeah. lot in many, many, many ways. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of summing it up. Well, thank you so much for everything you shared today and for your time. Um, it's, yeah, it's really clear that you love what you're doing. Everything you're doing is so interesting and so... Sort of, sort of so needed as well so the work you're doing to encourage children to read to help BAME children be seen I think is all fantastic um I would love everybody to go to your website and take a look so it's wittydittydesigns.com for anyone who didn't catch that I'm going to put it in the show notes as well so thank you so much for everything that you've thank shared you. and um yeah and best of luck with everything thank you thank you very very much thanks for talking to me well you're so welcome well thank you so much for listening I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Vee do remember you can send me some feedback by emailing vicky at tinychipmonk.com if you're listening in Apple Podcasts it'd be fantastic if you could take a few seconds to rate the show so give me a star rating or if you have a few more minutes if you could leave a review that would be absolutely fantastic it really does help other people find out about it um, so that's it for now um, really looking forward to sharing another fantastic interview with you next week take care If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.